Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Produce Buzzers Podcast. We are so happy you have joined us today, and I think you will be too after the show is over, because you will learn a lot about fresh fruits and vegetables, how to select and store them, how to prepare and cook them, and surprising facts about their history and origin. We hope it inspires you to eat more fresh fruits and vegetables, not only for your health, but also for your delight and pleasure as you explore their amazing world of taste and delicious flavors. Eating more of them will transform your life in so many positive ways. So settle back, relax, and get ready for another delicious adventure with the Produce Buzzers. Produce Buzzers podcast fans, and welcome to another delicious episode of the Produce Buzzers podcast. I'm Edwin Stepp, your host and executive editor of ProduceBuzz.com. I'm joined once again by Teresa Nolan, the founder and president of Produce Buzz, along with Rick Stepp and Cynthia Benedetto, both contributing editors to Produce Buzz. Now, today, Produce Buzzers podcast fans, we have another fascinating guest on the show this week. Our guest has spent his career at one of the largest and premier fruit growers in the nation. Today, we have Mac Regan, the Director of Marketing for Shalom Fresh and the Joyfully Grown brand. Shalom Fresh is a shipper of apples, pears, and cherries owned by the farmers who grow the fruit. Their farms are family-owned, many of which are now being led by the fourth and even fifth generation of those families. Sons and daughters who have followed in the footsteps of their parents and grandparents, and in some cases, great and great-great-grandparents. Growing fruit and growing it well is just in their genes. Shalon is located in, the, located in the foothills of the Cascade Mountain Range in central Washington State. Here, ideal fruit-growing conditions come together. Gentle mountain slopes, fertile valleys, clear rivers, and warm sunny days, and cool, crisp evening nights. Those ideal conditions have made Washington State the largest apple and pear-growing state in the nation. And while Michigan technically grows more cherries in total volume, those cherries are used primarily for canning and cooking. But when it comes to those delicious sweet cherries you love to eat fresh, Washington is also the leading grower of those. As apple and pear season is just about to start, we are delighted to have Mac on the show today to tell us about the delicious fruit that Shalon Fresh grows. Mac, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you. So I'll just correct you on two things. No big deal. Okay. It's pronounced Shalan, but oh, we've okay. been Chelan. We've been kept called Shalon, which I like Shalon. <laughs> that kind of has a nice mood to it, but it's yeah. actually pronounced as if you spelled it S-H-E-L-A-N, Shalan. Okay, great. Thank you yeah. for that. From an old Indian name, Silan. It was Lake Silan, spelled T-S-I-L-L-A-N. That's oh. a fairly substantial winery right in the Chelan area that's called Chelan Wine, Chelan Cellars. So it's got a, it's got a neat history there, the name. Yeah, that's fantastic. I wondered about that. It did sound uh, uh, Indian to me. And yeah. a lot of those names in that region are Wenatchee, I think, has got to be. Yeah, Yakima. You know, <laughs> right. yeah. So that's uh, that's that yeah. area is really interesting. Well, let's, And we're actually before... also into our sixth generation of family members. So oh, it's, wow. And I can speak to more about that later. But okay, yeah, we want to hear about that. that. That's something that our listeners really uh, love to hear about. And uh, I think, uh, you know, one of the things we've talked about on this show is that 
uh, it's a lot of people think agriculture has gone completely to big business, big commercial and uh, organizations and co corporations. But in the reality, the fruit and vegetable business, especially, there's a lot of family-owned small farms that they come together under a, a label or a brand sometimes. But for the most part, I think they're small farms, and this is something really good to hear. So I do want to hear more about that. <laughs> but before we get to Shalan <laughs> and what you do there, I want to know about Matt. Tell us about your background. How did you get into the fruit business? And uh, did you grow up in? Yeah, so um, on my cousin's side, um, so we're related. The Gebers family and the Riggin family are related because my dad's oldest sister married Danny Geber. So we're first cousins. We're all first cousins and we're related. Um, the original pioneer um came out great great um uh, or uh, grandfather came out from nova scotia he hiked clear across the top of canada in, in 1889 hiked yeah so think about the movie the revenant with leonardo oh, yeah. DiCaprio. i mean wow. you don't you don't just pull over and have dinner stay the night you're you know you're like fighting and clawing and trying to find food the whole way over sleeping in a bear carcass yeah and i never i never no, really it was a horse carcass yeah. I've never really nailed down a story of why he even started the trek, but he started in Nova Scotia. So it's a long ways over by foot. And he, for whatever reason, landed in Brewster, Washington. And in 1889, he planted the first apple tree there. Really? So that's where it all got started. Was that the first apple tree in Washington or just in that area? I don't know if it was in Washington, but it was the first one in that whole region. Okay. Yeah, which is a large growing region. So. And that, can you remind me what great, how many greats is that back? <laughs> great. Pardon me? Uh, how, what, how many greats? Well, great? six generations. Six generations. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. So the next, so then our family, we so we just pretty much grew up in the in the, the lumber business, cattle, and farming. And mm -hmm. the farming really took off probably in the late 50s. So my uncle Danny Gevers, um, he was the first uh, grower to bring Granny Smith apples into the United States oh. in 1968. So he brought those from where? Was from uh, mm -hmm. Australia. Uh, oh. Oh, from Australia. Okay. Yeah, it was either Australia or France, actually. It might have been France. He would go over there and look at different um, apple varieties. And so he was a, he was a real pioneer that he, he never was static with anything. It was just always looking ways to upgrade his organization and his farms. And, and um, he was very, um, very cutting edge mm. like that. Yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, our family grew up, I grew up working in the cherry orchards from age six and seven years old, um, <laughs> getting up like five in the morning with my brother and changing um, sprinklers. And back then we didn't have the sprinklers like they do now where everything's in the ground. They, they were aluminum tubes that were about 25 feet long. They weighed about as much as I did. And we would <laughs> unhook them and walk them over two rows in the orchard, walk them all over, then rehook them up and then turn the water on and check to make sure the sprinklers. We had to do that twice a day, five wow. in the morning and five at night. Mm. And That's I remember good. when we were on the hillsides, this is an interesting story. So we'd be on some pretty steep hillsides and you'd be moving the pipes down the hillside and the orchard might be two, 300 yards long. At the end of the 
the hillside, you'd have to haul, instead of going just back up one at a time, because the top trees hadn't been watered for two weeks, we would have to haul those sprinkler lines all the way back. And I was always, I, I remember my brother and I would calculate, is that going to be on a morning that we have to do that? Or is that going to be in an afternoon? Because we'd have to get to school and if it was a morning Ooh. deal and you had to haul all those lines back up the hill. Oh, it, uh, we worked so hard as kids. We oh had no God. idea. That's just what we did. Yeah. So what then I got the, out of high school yeah. and I went on to college over in Seattle and I got a degree over there. But How I didn't far really Seattle like from where your farm is. Uh, two and a half hours, three hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I thought I was going to leave the farming business because all you really knew as a kid was the hard work from it. Right. So <laughs> I thought, well, I'll get a job <laughs> in the office. So yeah. anyway, after about five years over there, I stayed a couple more years because my little sister went to school there and I promised my dad I would stay with her for two years. So after that, I came home to the family business and started in the sales office. Hmm. And um, then in two, that was in 1990. In 2004, um, we merged with all of our families up up north. So all yeah. the packing, shipping, sales, marketing, and growing operations came together under a company called AltaFresh in 2003, and then we merged with Chelan Fruit in 2004 and became Chelan Fresh. Okay, were all those families related, or um, we are with the Gebers. The Chelan Fruit people were not related. Okay. Um, they got to be like family though. Wonderful people. Right. Uh, a lot of small growers, families, a lot of heritage and legacy there. So it was a really good mix. And then in 2015, the Borton family, who is literally just like us, but two hours South, we decided to merge with them and they mm. came on board and they're, so they're just another grower shipper member under the Chelan Fresh umbrella. And okay. that, that's been an amazing um, merger and partnership. Yeah. Great. And increase your volume quite a bit, I imagine. Yeah. Cause you know, mergers aren't always easy, but no. we're blessed. You know, we're all faith-based people. When you're, when your whole livelihood's based on things out of your control, you decide it's either <laughs> going to be up to you or the Lord. And we put the Lord at the driver's head. And so <laughs> when that all comes together, we're all about, we have an old saying here. My uncle Danny really taught me a lot of things as a kid. My dad taught me a lot of things about being genuine and transparent. My dad would always say, it's really important that you understand the having to have the desire every day to honor the legacy that your grandfather and me have left you kids. And then you need to work every day to preserve it for the ones coming after you. Uh -huh. So when you have that mindset, you have a hundred year mindset you don't worry about what your title is or your role. You just get up every day and do the best you can for the family. And things work out really well for people that do that. And so that's when, when the Bordens came on board, they're the same. They think the same way. Yeah. And so they weren't really worried about who got what. They, they just wanted to be part of a bigger program that would be more influential and do better things. And it's really flourished. Yeah, that's really refreshing to hear communities working together without strife and uh, the young people following in the footsteps uh, of previous generations to do something special. That's unusual in this world because a lot of young people want to run away from their past. <laughs> they want to rebel. They want to go out in the world and make their own mark. Why do you think that was different for the families there that are involved with Chelan? You know, I don't know. It's really weird because my brother and I are very, very close. I mean, I'm just amazed at how good the relationship is with my younger brother. We're a year and a half apart. 
Um, he's our CEO. Um, we're best friends. Um, and my cousin, Cass Gebers, who's the CEO of Gebers Farms, he's he's literally a brother to me. We're a month apart in age, and I've mm-hmm. grown up with him since I was five. Yep. So I don't know. You know, it's funny. I've, I've, I've been doing this a long time. I've never had a boring day. My frustration is, is that everybody's done working at four and I got to shut down. And it's like, man, I need like four more hours. <laughs> it was like having a hobby every day and everybody goes home and then you got to wait. And I've told people it's a weird thing to say, but this is true. My favorite day of the week is Monday. Wow. Ah. That's really. And I've told my kids, <laughs> if you can get to where the favorite day of the week is Monday for you, you're going to have a good career, whatever you're yeah. doing, you're going to be happy at. And wow, probably good at it. Yeah, that's inspiring. And uh, <laughs> yeah, my my girlfriend's husband goes Monday the weekend, but I don't think for the exact same reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Well, that's uh, that's fascinating. Well, let's turn to Shailan. Shailan, I'm going to get it right eventually. <laughs> Sorry. And the and and what you grow now. I mentioned apples, pears, and cherries. Is that it, or are there some other fruits yeah, that you mix it. in there? That's it. Okay. And uh, so uh, you've already told us how about the time it got started and 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 when you all merged together. Uh, what uh, what varieties of apples do you grow uh, now? What are some of your best selling varieties? One of my well, favorites. Yeah, we grow all the typical ones, you know, like you start with Reds, Goldens, Grannies, Gala, Fuji, John of Gold, Brayburn. Um, and then we have our proprietary varieties like the Koru, the Rocket Apple, which is the small one we sell in the tub, the Sugar yeah. Bee. The we Sugar have Bee red... is the best. Yeah, yeah. We think I so love too. that. Yeah. What's the it. bricks on that? I don't know, but it's high. It's very, very, um, we actually have people call me and ask me if we inject sugar into the apple. <laughs> some of the questions I get, they're precious, right? Yeah. Um, but that's, and then we have a red flesh series of apple under the oh, Lucy yeah. banner. And right. we have a Lucy Rose, Lucy Glow, and a new one coming out this fall called Lucy Bell. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I was privileged to see, uh, to taste that Lucy, the Lucy uh, at, the one of the produce marketing right is that where, when we were in florida when... well this was the first time i tasted it was in anaheim in oh. probably 2018 or 19 i can't remember you weren't there with me then cynthia but yeah. so the uh, other apple we grow that's really a fan favorite but it's not exclusive to anybody except kind of washington is the cosmic crisp oh and okay it's actually oh, one yeah. of my favorite apples yeah, that's, that's a really good very apple. good yeah very why good. do you like it I like tart apples, so I like uh. pink lady. Oh, we grow pink lady too. I like pink lady, you know, Granny Smith. Um, I like um, sugar bees when they're a little early off the tree. I like them a little starchy. That's just the way I am. Yeah, I agree and, with you. Um, I like lemonade. You know, I just like lime <laughs> juice. I like lemonade too when it's yeah. got nicely sugared. So yeah. I'm like the I'm like the sugar fiend of this group. Everybody okay. else is normal but me. <laughs> She's got a sweet. And then on the pears, we grow um all kinds of pears, red red pears, we grow angel pears, boss, concord, bartlett. Um and then on cherries, we grow uh a lot of rainier cherries. We have an exclusive variety called the Arondo Ruby, which mm tastes like a kind of a Bing cherry and a Rainier cherry in your mouth at the same time. So it has mm. very high sugars, but also high 
acids. And so it has a really complex flavor. It's a real fan favorite. We don't grow very many of them. They're very challenging to grow. Um, but we have people that buy those. Can you say the name of that again? Arondo oh. Ruby. Arondo Ruby. Wow. Do you have a lot of volume on those? Because I don't think I've seen them in the store. No, we only we sold a lot of them into uh, Sprouts Farmers Market this year. And I think okay. it was like 5,000 boxes. Yeah. Is that are you planning to increase it? <laughs> I want to see. I want to see some. <laughs> why? Why are they so much more difficult to grow than the Rainier? They don't or produce Spain? heavy per tree, and so it's all about production per tree. So every time you run a, spray, a tractor down there, or spray it or mow it, and if you're going by five thousand trees per five thousand cherries per tree versus five hundred cherries per tree, right? All right. your costs are the same. You so know, your at, costs go up per cherry. At one time, it seemed like every time cherry season would roll around, uh, it would rain and the the retailers would be like, oh, no, we're not going to have any cherries because it rains, you know. Uh, I see so much more volume on cherries now. And uh, is that still an issue? Very much or, so. So we've learned uh -huh. to mitigate rain damage. And there's two things we do. So it's we, we just had sprouts out last night. Actually, we had dinner with them. And so I just is all fresh in my mind. Um, but we have made the investment into, we, I think we have 15 now, 15 Sikorsky helicopters. Oh my they, gosh. Yeah. And they're all, we have a pilot fleet and um, whole management of that. And so we use those when it rains to blow the trees off and to blow the water out of wow. where the stem meets the cherry and it keeps them from splitting. That is amazing. Oh, that's the problem. And they just it's hover like, over those trees or yeah. and, and it, then it dries them. Yeah, well, it blows oh, yeah. out the water, and then yeah. the trees will dry out soon right. after that. Wow. So if we know it's going to rain, we know. We cut the water off to the orchard, so we try to dry it out a little bit. The rain hits, we blow it off. We'll use tractors with blowers mounted on the back of the tractors to blow some of that, too. Yeah. So, now, I can't if the rain... how much those helicopters must cost. Yeah, how many do you have? Fifteen. Oh, wow. And, and we don't farm them out either. We don't joyride them. I mean, we just, use, there's some summers like this year, we didn't even use them. Mm. So and you have 15 pilots storage. or Pardon? you have, you have 15 pilots. Yeah. Um, military, ex-military. Some are military, some are just civilian. Um, so this year, the Rainiers have been out of this world. And I live the opposite end of the contiguous United States that you do catty corner. He's but, um, and usually, you know, they're good. They're, you know, but they were unbelievable. Is that mm. because everyone got proper amounts of water or what's any. Um, so one of the major contributors to the quality of a crop is what happens in what I call April in the bloom period. It's, it's very important that, during the bloom period, you have good warm days, not too hot, not too cold, not a lot of rain. So this year we had wonderful bloom period. So the trees set a nice crop of fruit. They weren't under loaded and they weren't overloaded, especially on the rain ears. And so there was a very nice crop load on the rain ears. The temperatures, the first month, first the cherries are usually take 65 days from bloom to harvest. The first 30 days, there were just really nice temperatures cool nights, warm days, and the cherries just developed into literally a perfect eating experience. They were unbelievable. What um, are, so you guys, where are you on your rainfall? Are you above 
normal under oh, um sorry i didn't i don't know we, the, the, the well. rain here is funny because when we get rain here we don't get it for like two days we get it 45 minutes so mm -hmm. it'll be like hot all day and then at three o'clock there'll be a rainstorm and that's what makes the cherries want to split they're warm they get this infusion of water and they just want to burst and that's why you got to get them dried off so mm -hmm. i you know i was thinking this year i don't even remember the last time it rained since february so it's been, there's been rain events around, but there hasn't been like any statewide rain over here. We're in the high desert. It's very dry mm -hmm. where we are. Very oh, low humidity. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we're the complete opposite of Seattle. We're literally like Arizona with a massive river, the Columbia <laughs> River running right through the middle of the state. So it provides just unlimited amounts of irrigation water. Oh, that's so fantastic. we don't use rain for to grow any crops here. We're not, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, so that if was... it stops raining, sorry, one more question no, about rain. Yeah. So if it, stop, if it rains at, uh oh 200 and then it stops you know oh 300 do you get the helicopters out right away or does it yeah they'll be doing out during the rain oh during the rain yeah interesting that's, well that's let's interesting. you mentioned that region and one of the questions i had is why what what about the climate there makes it such a great region for growing these fruits? Yeah, so one, so there's some very unique things. There's it, we have so in 1980, I remember standing and I for whatever reason I was outside my parents' home. I was 16, and I, it was a Sunday morning, and I just heard this massive thundering boom coming from the the west towards Seattle. What that was was Mount St. Helens erupting. Oh, I had yeah. no idea at the time. Right. And so when we talk years and years about how the volcanic ash has made this such great, we actually experienced it. I mean, Yakima got covered in it. Yeah. So what has happened over thousands and thousands of years, we actually witnessed in 1980. And so the, the whole area up here got a nice, fresh dose of mineral-infused ash wow. that just blends into the soil. Yeah. So that's something that makes our soil really rich and fertile. We have lots of sunshine. We have a lot of sloping land, which gets, gets good air drainage. It's very dry here. So it's good for growing organic because you don't have to fight mildew and funguses from high humidity. That's why right. you don't see much grown in the east because they have a lot of humidity. And then we have very cold winters, very cold, dry winters, which knock the pest population down anyway. So those are all things that contribute to making this an ideal place to grow organic product and conventional all alike. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful region. I've been able to travel through there a few times, not spend a lot of time there. Uh, this is off the mark, but I just was thinking about soil and climate for wine. Are you into the wine business at all? <laughs> no, no, our family, we don't grow any wine. There's a lot of wine business up here now. Yeah, a lot right. of orchards and area of them have transferred over to it. Yeah. yeah. Some great wines come out of there. I've had some really good ones uh, that, that, that soil and everything helps that. So, yeah. Well, uh, tell, I want to know about this great, new i don't know how new it is it's new to me i think i just really came across it in the last couple of years but this new this brand joyfully grown i love that <laughs> name. tell us the inspiration behind that and what's the deeper meaning of it so the the thing that drove it really is is one of our partners that had the label we were using was was leaving. They got bought out by another entity. So our partnership with them ended. It was on good terms, but they think it's kind of like you got divorced and the guy took his last name with him. So 
the lady needs to get a new last name, right? Mm -hmm. So she either takes back her original name or nicely so done, nicely. That's kind of nice how it analogy. is, right? So <laughs> we had to come up with a new label and we were thinking, well, do we just want to be Chelan Fresh label or, and we got to thinking, you know, what do we really do? Why, why do we do what we do? Not, not what do we do? We were thinking, why do we do it? You know, why do we put up with all the challenges and the turmoil and all that? And, you know, part of it is because we're here and we're family, but you could do other things with the land, right? You could sell it out to a private equity deal. And we've had that opportunity, but then what do you do with all your family members, right? We have 45 kids working in the business. Wow. And so if you do all that, you just have a whole bunch of trust fund babies and we end up like the Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts, right? Just mm. a bunch of alcoholic drug kids with <laughs> no purpose. So we decided not to go that route. But we thought, let's let's really boil down why we do what we do. And it's because it brings us a lot of delight and a, a lot of joy. I used to say for years, our job is to surprise and delight the consumer mm -hmm. through the retailer. We can't expect the retailer to make our product any better than it is when he gets it. So we really need to be on the focus on the consumer. So yeah, we love to please the retailer by giving them good fruit that they can pass on to the consumer. But th at the end of the day, you're really speaking and communicating with that consumer. And I, I get the joy and the curse of getting all the good stuff people say about us and all the problems that I, I'm the tip of the spear for that. Yeah. So I get to see all that. <laughs> so I was, you know, we were just working with, um, with another group that came up with just like, what do we do? Try something like joyful. Like we went down this joyful path and we started interviewing all the family members about what they do that brings them joy. And the stories were just insane. I mean, mm -hmm. we were like, wow, you know, we're a close knit family, but nobody had ever sat down and grabbed everybody's heart and mind about why they do, why they're committed to the family, why they revere the legacy that's been left for them so much, why they work so hard to preserve it. And that all came out in the joy that they get every day from not just the fun of the business, but actually the challenges. Uh -huh. um, my uncle used to say, all I need to solve a family argument is having an alien ship come down and threaten to whip all your butts. You'll get together <laughs> real quick, right? So every time there's a challenge that's outside good. the company, we come together real quick and real solid and we're a mighty force. Right. Because we love each other and we care about each other. And so that joyfully grown theme came out. And it's been amazing, the response from consumers, from retailers. Um, you know, it kind of came out at a point, you guys, I don't want to get political, but, you know, the world's a challenging place. And there's a lot of mental health things. There's a lot of people feel siloed. And, you know, one of the big things that we sponsor is this program called Only Seven Seconds. I don't know if you've heard of it, no. but it's a, it's a program that addresses isolation of kids, suicide and all that. Oh, and the bottom wow. line is it only, it only takes seven seconds to reach out to someone who might be hurting. Wow. So that's a big that's a big thing for our family. Um, Excellent. Down that road. And so the Joyfully Grown has just it's, it was really easy for our family to embrace it. And to just talk about it. So we just have a myriad of videos of different of kids from some of our youngest kids, 18, 19, up to my my cousin, Matt Gevers, my namesake. And he's 62. <laughs> and, he, and he talks about what brings him joy. And that whole process of hearing why people got up early every day and slog through what we do 
really galvanized us. It was amazing. Mm. We all kind of looked at each other like, oh, I didn't know you felt that way. And I feel a lot the same way too. And it's just been an amazing galvanizing experience for us. That's fantastic. And I, think, I think that, you know, when you go meet a retailer and you start telling that story, it's hard not to let all that just come through you. And they listen to that and go, wow, you guys, that is really transparent. Because the only thing my dad and my uncle have really demanded of us is that we never lie. We never surprise people and that we're transparent and genuine. Yeah. And they that's said, that's, that's what we expect of you kids as our legacy. We're not um, asking for a certain size of growth in the company or profitability or innovation. Just be what the Lord called you to be. And all those things will be added unto you and you'll be, you'll be there. Oh, that's and inspiring. We, we lived it. I'm so glad to hear you video. I was, was going to be, as soon as you started to tell this, I'm so glad you got it captured on video. Is there a place to watch this? Is this coming? Yeah, it's on our website. Oh, I missed it. I was all over your website. How did I miss that one? Anyway, but, uh, and how long is that? If you had these, you had quite a few stories, did you? (laughs) Well, the videos are anywhere from 30 seconds. Okay, so they're shorts. Okay, got it. All right, they're not put together in one. That's good. All right, well, I'll have to take a look at that. That's really inspiring. There there is a video that's a compilation of family members, and there is, but there's also the individual ones. Right. That's fantastic. Wow. How inspiring is that? The seven, only seven seconds. Did I get that right? Is that what you, it's called? Is that something you uh, created or you just, you sponsor, you help? No, we just were, we're a major sponsor of it. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That is very important right now. Uh, Such an epidemic uh, on suicide. So, well, um, we talked a bit about these new varieties, the proprietary. Tell us a little bit how new varieties come about in apples. Uh, I think this is a fascinating story. We've touched on it a bit, but I'd really love to hear from someone who really experiences. Yeah, so it's 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 breeding programs both within nurseries and within our own. So I'll, I'll give you the I'll tell you about Rocket, Arondo Ruby, and Sugar Bee. So Arondo Ruby, um, one of our growers, Marcus Griggs, he's a he's a high end really high quality grower. I mean, this guy's really dialed into his orchards and he had Rainier cherries. He noticed one year, three branches or three limbs off a Rainier tree that had cherries that matured earlier and had more color on the cherries. So he flagged them and he started watching those over the years. He eventually took the wood to a science lab and found out that the DNA in the wood was actually different than the Rainier cherry So he had to legally name it something else if he wanted to market that cherry. This was like 15 years ago. Mm. And so through that, through those three branches off a tree came the whole entire Arondo Ruby cherry. So it's just a chance that, you know, I mean, I don't know, some nature just pumped that out. And so that's how that came along. Right. I think they call that a sport, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) So anyway, the rocket um, apple was in a breeding program in New Zealand. And it was, there was a bunch of growers that looked at it. They all walked away from it because they thought it was too small and no one would eat it. One guy named Phil Allison decided to buy the rights to it. And then he met with us over in Berlin, Germany at a fruit logistica conference in February years ago, shared it with us and said, we want to buy the rights to the North America market. So we have the rights to market it in North America, you know, uh, United States, uh, or uh, Canada and Mexico. So we do that and we can export it. So the Gevers along with the Bortons 
have quite a few acres planted of the rocket apple. And so yeah. we have that proprietary variety and we're doing that. I bought a three pound tub yesterday and yeah, uh, I good. love them. I love they're that good. size. You know, I know, I don't know that you're, that you're intentionally targeted the kids maybe, but it seems perfect for kids, lunch boxes and that kind of thing. But I like it too. Cause well, it's perfect own. for everybody. You yeah. know, people thought it would just be kids, but a lot of people don't want to eat a whole size That's me. apple, yeah. right? Normally, I they, don't. They just yeah. want a little snack. And I meet people at trade shows all the time and say, you know, I got diabetes and I really can't eat a whole apple. And I don't want yeah. to cut it, put it back in the fridge. So they go, a rocket's perfect. And if I want more, they go, I just eat two. Well, one of the questions I had for you is that my suspicion when I first saw them was it was just a smaller, it was the smaller graded out smaller of another variety but you're saying Which that's most actually of the time that's the case oh okay all right yeah that but like if you see that variety. size apple in a gala yeah is it going to taste as good as a bigger gala probably not yeah that's true but the yeah. rocket is its own variety yeah it's own, not it doesn't get big, big as they get oh wow that is that's fantastic. as big as they get so yeah. when you see them on a tree they look like a plum tree okay yeah, yeah. right like crab apples, well, yeah, with much better flavor. Better, much better flavor. So that's great. Well, this has been fantastic. Uh, what else do you want to tell our listeners about Joyfully Grown or Shalan? Um, I guess the the one thing you want, I you know, I meet a lot of people who who think that organic apples are just not sprayed with anything. And, and that's not true, right. but, you know, organic right. apples are sprayed with organic pesticides, conventional sprayed with conventional. And people say, well, why do you grow both? I said, because people have a choice and they're, they're equally nutritious for you. Um, we have very rigorous pesticide, man, pest management programs, meaning we don't just spray to be spraying. It's very expensive to apply pesticides. So we have very extensive uh, trapping processes and there's some years we might apply pesticides only twice a year. Sometimes you got to go for it. Depends, you know, depends on the winter that you had. But I think that main thing I just want customers to know is the, the apples, the fruit out of Washington is about as good a quality and safe to eat as anything you'll find on the planet. I'm really proud of our whole industry because even my competitors are the most incredible growers and stewards of the land. You know, my competitors and I will get together at meetings and we'll just kind of laugh at how these third party people want to come in and see what we're doing and all that. And it's like, guys, we've been cleaning our own house for a hundred years. Yeah. We don't need you to come tell us to clean it. We don't right. need you to come tell us to love our children, you know, our yeah. fruit. We live here, <laughs> right? Grady Oval was 94 years old and healthy as a horse when he just suddenly died. My, my uncle was 84 when he died only because he fell off a caterpillar trying to build uh, build a fire line to save some people's homes during a wildfire. Wow. Laying in the crazy. hospital bed, he looked like a 50 year old man. And so, That's you know, man. we, we have a healthy, good lifestyle up here. This isn't some kind of poison factory where we're just, you right. know, it's, it's very, I, I just think people hear things, you know, like the dirty dozen and it's yeah. like, yeah, we took them on. We had a whole episode dedicated to that. Yeah. We had a, a a specialist who goes after that environmental working group every year when they come out with that. And yeah, and uh, you so know, I guess yeah. at the end of the day, I'm I'm really proud that I don't have to apologize for anything we do, yeah. anything we sell. We don't have to hide anything. We are a glass house. Right, right. 
And like you said, you guys depend on that land. You've had it in gener generation after generation. Of course, you're going to take care of it and make sure that it's uh, going to be sustainable for many more generations. Yeah, it's so in our own best interest. <laughs> yeah, congratulations to you. That's This has really been inspiring. I appreciate you taking the time and joining, joining us. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> so, well... We could go on and on. We do usually. Sometimes we go on for hours. <laughs> but I know you got work to do. So now Teresa's got some questions and or what are we gonna do? Uh, oh, she's got a pun. <laughs> okay, one of the fun things we do in each episode, Mac, is Teresa loves puns, and she always wants to tell a pun in the episode. We have this segment every episode called Home Grown. So you we apologize why, in advance. <laughs> you get why it's called oh groan, because the puns are always bad. So we don't laugh at them. We groan. So Teresa's got one for you today. We're going to listen to it. Well, oftentimes it's a question and we try to guess the answer. But then once we get the answer, we groan. So, okay, Teresa, what is the homegrown of the day? Well, um, Mr. Apple received an invitation to join the Insider Club. Why didn't Mrs. Apple want him to join? Okay, now let's give some thought to this. So Mr. Apple received an invitation to join the Insider Club. Why did Mrs. Apple not want to join? Any guesses from our produce buzzers? She was rotten to the core. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say she didn't want it to turn brown, him to turn brown. <laughs> Mac, any no. guesses? Man, I guess she didn't want to be left on the outside. I don't know. Uh, Nicely done. That's yes. Good. Well that's done. Good. Yes. Okay, Teresa, come on and pun ish us now with your okay. pun. Okay. She, she didn't want him to join the insider club oh, she was afraid he would get juiced, <laughs> juiced. <laughs> oh we're laughing no we're supposed to grow uh, uh, yeah i like it <laughs> oh you guys must make cider huh uh, no cider? we don't make you it don't. but we actually have a company we work with in california Okay. That makes the uh, sugar bee cider and applesauce for us. Oh, fantastic! Oh, so you have the, you have the, the that brand as a cider. Yeah, you can find it at Costco right now. The sugar oh, bee cider. I'll look for that. Mm -hmm. oh. We made a lot of cider in our days, Rick and I. <laughs> we mm -hmm. we yeah. as I said, my dad grew apples and uh, he packed them and he packed the apples for this this Western North Carolina. I don't know if you've ever how much you know about it, but it was it's quite a. Uh, try to they grow a lot of apples here. We grow apples too in North Carolina. <laughs> That's what I hear you saying. <laughs> yeah, no, well, you know, I, I won't go into it, but Washington State kind of uh, uh, kind of uh, affected our business. You know, when we were growing up before controlled atmosphere storages, we had about a three week window because our apples came in earlier, <laughs> and that you know before controlled atmosphere. But the apples that were left over by them were mushy. So people were eager to get the fresh crop, crisp apples. We had about a three-week window where we could make our best profit. You know, Because North Carolina was the first state, really, in any volume to come in in that early August. Then when controlled atmosphere storages came in, you guys got them. We didn't get it. And that kind of put it into that. But, we, you know, that's the way things go. We're not, we're yeah. not angry. <laughs> but... We grew a lot of apples. We made a lot of cider. 
my older brother, who is no longer with us, unfortunately, he was in charge of making the cider. And he had a blend. He would blend five or six different varieties. And, oh, man, that would come. And oh, we man, only it sold delicious. it fresh. Yeah, we yeah. only sold it fresh. We never pasteurized it. Yeah. But luckily, we didn't get it. That's a good memory. <laughs> it was. Fantastic. He learned that recipe from North Carolina State where he hmm. graduated with a degree in agriculture. And uh, I'm sorry. Agriculture. Yeah. And uh, that's how we got started making that was the professor there in the horticulture department was from upstate New York. And he did it for a fundraiser. He would have us, he would buy apples from us in the mountains, bring down to Raleigh. And he would uh, make the fresh cider and sell it on campus hmm. for a fundraiser and so we actually stole his recipe when we started <laughs> making it ourselves. yeah and uh yeah. one fourth stamen wine sap one fourth golden delicious one fourth roman apple and i'm trying to remember the probably food. red delicious because of such a yeah, i think we did use red yeah right was that about the same time y'all were doing moonshine too yeah. <laughs> well we never made any hard cider because it wasn't legal to make in our county at the time well, i don't think but moonshine I, I was illegal to make either i sold a lot of hard cider because we had a, we put it in plastic milk jugs and when it starts to turn even in the cooler it starts to turn right swelling up we take the stuff that wasn't good like that and put it out behind the fruit stand and the sun would come and work it really good and it would actually get like a almost like a champagne taste. And once in a while, person would come in and say, Have you got any of that cider that has a kick to it? Say, sure. Come around behind here. I'll, I'll show you. <laughs> yeah. And I'd take a sample cup and I'd pour them a sample cup of, of it and they would taste it and they go, Wow, that is really good. How much is that? I said, well, We just sell it for the same price as the other. Give me three gallons. <laughs> Yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> I tried to make it look like I was doing something illegal, but it was probably only one or two percent alcohol at the most. <laughs> yeah. And Rick and I started about six years old too in the packing house. I started putting together boxes, making. I think Rick did that too. We we, yeah. we would staple the cardboard mm -hmm. boxes for the apples. That was our first job. <laughs> so, wasn't quite as hard as hauling sprinklers up down a hillside. <laughs> well, Mac. We're going to let you go this time. Okay. We kept you a little bit longer. That was Thank, you. Thank you so much. This is fantastic. You guys have a nice weekend. Thank you. You, you too, too. Thanks luck. a lot, Mac. Bye-bye. Well, thank you listeners for tuning in to the Produce Buzzers podcast. Brought to you by Produce Buzz, a gathering place for lovers of fresh fruits and veggies. We hope you were entertained a bit and educated a lot about fresh produce. Be sure to join us next time, and please tell your friends to do so as well. Like, share, and comment on our Produce Buzz Facebook page, and check out our website at www.producebuzz.com. There you will find articles about fresh fruits and veggies, how to select, store, and prepare them, as well as lots of interesting facts about all the wonderful bounty the earth provides for us. Until next time, be fruitful and don't forget to veg out.